just trouble. So today I want to talk to you about trouble and how how we're expected to live with trouble because the Bible is very clear. Watch this, verse 3. It says, we can rejoice too when we run into problems and trials. I just summed it up into trouble. For we know that they help us develop endurance. So the Bible says that you should be rejoicing when you run into trials and problems. I'll take it a little bit further. James said the same thing. James said you need to consider it great joy when problems come your way. Now, I don't know about you, but that's the strangest thing that's ever hit my ears. You want me to rejoice when trouble comes? Like, like when the tire goes flat, you want me to be excited? When the water heater quits, you want me to rejoice? That's what the Bible says. Well, Pastor, that's just kind of weird, but I'm explaining it to you because I don't want you to be weird. Right? So how we respond to trouble says a lot about us. Wouldn't you agree? You, you all know people that freak out over the least little thing. Come on, we all got them in our family. I got some family here, but none of those people are here. Okay, They're not here. These are all sound mind people right here. Just had to clear that up because I'm going home with them after church. So, And brother-in-law brought sausage, and we got to stay right. But, but we've all got people in our family. We all know people because, you know, none of us are like this. We all got people we know that they freak out over the least little thing, right? I mean, they'll freak out over something. You're like, really? They can't handle problems. They can't handle trials, right? They just, they just kind of go off quickly. How we handle trouble says a lot about us. It says a lot about your maturity. Come on, somebody. It says a lot about your character, It says a lot about who you are. It says a lot about where your faith is or where your faith is not. Come on. It doesn't mean you're not going to have trouble. It just means when trouble comes, how you acting? Am I in the right church? How you acting when trouble comes? How you responding when something happens? Because that says a whole lot about you. It says where your trust is. It says where your hope is. Religion says you got to act like you don't have trouble. You ever know people that are religious? How you doing? Blessed and highly favored. I don't know if they're saying favored or flavored. Like I'm blessed and highly flavored. I don't know. It's like they don't ever have problems. You, come on, you've, you've met people like that. You, man, how you been? Oh, just, everything's fine. Everything's perfect. Everything's good. So your husband likes you? Oh, yeah, oh, yeah. And you like your husband? Mm-hmm. Religion says you can't show your problems. Watch this. Relationship with God, being real with God says, you know what? Hey, I got some problems, but you get to see God show up in my problems. Amen? I'm not trying to hide my problems. I'm not trying to act like I got it all together. I'm just going to be who I am. And when my tire goes flat, I'm going to stand on the side of the road and I'm going to fix it. And while I'm fixing it, you get to see God show up and do something incredible. Amen? Amen? I'm not going to hide my trouble. I'm not going to hide my problems as if they don't exist to the world. That sounds weird. What do you mean? You don't have problems? So then they come to church with you thinking, I'll go to church and I won't have no more problems. And then the first problem they have, they quit the church. Right? 
So where do problems, where do troubles come from? <laughs> There's been a lot of things said over the years about where problems or troubles come from or trials. Some people say God's testing me. Can I clear that up today? God is not testing you. The trouble is. God's watching you take the test. Big difference. He's watching you take the test. God's not throwing nails on the road so that you can pick up a flat tire. God didn't break your hot water heater to see what your attitude was going to be like. God's not testing you. You live in a fallen world. Amen. You live in a world where things rot. Things break. Things go wrong. You have a full-time enemy called Satan who's throwing everything he can at you. And he even gets too much credit. You get a flat tire, you go, Satan, put the screw in the road. No, the Kuyona didn't clean out the back of his truck, put the screw in the road. You just picked it up. Right? But too many times we say that too many problems come from too many of the wrong places. And it's just not true. We live in a fallen world. Things are going to fall apart. Come on. And so the Bible's very clear about what we should do with those troubles and those problems. Watch what Peter said in 1 Peter chapter 4. He says, dear friends, don't be surprised at the fiery trials you're going through as if something strange were happening to you. He says, you don't need to freak out. You don't need to be surprised by problems and trials as if it was something strange. Can I tell you, Jesus never promised you wouldn't have trouble. He never said you wouldn't have trials and you wouldn't have problems. What he did say was, if I went through some stuff, baby, you going to go through some stuff. He warned us, didn't he? He said, what you've seen me go through, you better watch. You're going to go through it too. And we need to be aware of it. We need to expect it, but then we need to be prepared for it. If you're not prepared, then that's the problem. Right? Don't be surprised. So why problems and trials? It says we can rejoice when we run into problems and trials for we know they help us develop, watch this, endurance. And endurance develops strength of character. And character strengthens our confident hope of salvation. So why problems and trials? God uses the stuff that falls apart in your life to build things in your life. Amen. And he wants to build endurance first. What is endurance? Endurance is just walking through some junk and not quitting. Right? That's endurance. I mean, you look at these triathletes who train and they run all these ungodly miles for no reason and nothing's even chasing them. Right? And and you're like, what you running from, bruh, for two days? The law, I mean, anyway, let me get off that soapbox just because I'm not a runner. They run to build endurance. Why? So they can run further. So they can run longer. So they can run faster. You don't build endurance on the sofa. Right? You build endurance by putting pressure to yourself. Applying pressure, straining, pushing against things that don't. Watch this, feel good. They don't feel good. God uses the issues in your life to build things in your life. And we're going to talk about that today. 
So number one, we should rejoice for the results. Now let me clear this up. We need to rejoice for the results of the trial. Not for the trial. <laughs> you, okay, you don't get excited when, when your tire goes flat. Nobody gets out the car. <laughs> Finally caught me a flat. Don't do that. Somebody's going to run you over. You with me? We, we're not weird, okay? We don't, we don't get all goofy and crazy. We don't rejoice because of the problems. We rejoice because of the results of the problems. In other words, I'm going to come out of this thing better than I went into it. James says, dear brothers and sisters, when trouble comes your way, consider it as an opportunity for great joy. For you know that when your faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to grow, so let it grow. I find it funny that Paul, James, and Peter all said the same thing. They all preached the same message about trouble. But here's the truth. Where did we learn how to handle trouble? Let me show you something this morning. How many have ever seen yourself in your kids? Come, get honest, you up in church. You've seen yourself. This is, this is what goes on in my house. I know this doesn't go on at your house, but it goes on at mine. So one of my kids will have a bad day and they'll catch an attitude. Right, because we're all teenagers now, so they they have attitudes. Even my pretty young one catches an attitude every now and then. So when Anna, as pretty as she is, catches an attitude, my wife and I will address it, and then we'll walk off into the other room, and we'll go, "That's them Fontenose girl." When she goes, she goes, "No, that's them Tyler's boy." Right, and but but what happens? We see ourselves in them. Now, did I sit down and teach her that when things don't go the way you want them to go, throw a fit? No. Where'd she learn it? Easy me, me. I'm, I'm, I'm not, I'm, I, I got to be real careful with this message today. I didn't, I didn't prepare for my family to be here. I'm kind of nervous. No, I'm joking. But you don't have to teach them, right? You know, I learned how to be stressed out from my mom. I learned how to get mad from my grandma. My grandma could come home from my grandma could come home from church, humming a hymn from the Sunday service, sit down and get mad about something and start cursing. Now you think I picked that up? Yep. Teenage boy, amazing grace. <laughs> Let something happen. <laughs> Beep. <clears throat> and dare grandma to tell you something. She's gonna hit me when I see her. But we see ourselves in our kids, right? You know, they learn how to handle problems from us. Come on, we got to own this this morning. We got to own this. No matter where your kids are, you got to own this. They act the way they act, not because of them cartoons. Because who's raising them? And the, the tr it's true for me too, Right? If I don't like what I'm seeing, I get to change the results. Right? Now, I get to change it good or I get to change it bad. Right? I can make a change and change some things. So the way it typically works at our house is when we see ourselves in our kids, after we fuss at them and correct them, then we go get ourselves right. Right? No. 
We repent for being an example to him. Come on, somebody. Come on. I've gone to my kids and said, I'm sorry because I know you've seen that in me. I've acted that way before. I've done that. I've responded that way. When they fight because of stupid things, it's because I've done that in the past. And I own it. Amen? So we rejoice for the results. We rejoice in the troubles because of the results, not because of the troubles. And here's the truth. None of us likes pain, do we? None of us likes pain. That's why most of us don't go to the gym because we don't like pain, right? We don't like pain. I want muscles, but I don't want to build them. But you know what happens to build muscles? To build a muscle, you actually have to tear it and then let it rebuild itself so that it gets stronger and bigger, right? So, but but it, it hurts to tear it, right? I don't want to tear it. I don't want to put myself, I don't want to go through trouble. I don't want to have problems. But I can't stop them. So we got to rejoice in the results. Number two, we got to grow through it. We just got to grow through it. Sometimes we're so busy trying to go through it that we forget we need to grow through it. You know, every problem and trial that ever comes up in your life has an assignment to grow you up somehow or way or another. It has an assignment to grow you up. But if you're constantly freaking out about it, posting about it, complaining about it, Instagramming about it, and never praying about it and applying your faith to it, then it's not growing, right? You're just going. Big difference between going through something and growing through something. Amen? We need to learn to grow from our mistakes. We need to learn to grow from the problems and trials that pop up in our lives. We need to learn to grow in every situation and not just go through it as in some kind of survival mode. We need to grow through it. Verse 3 from James says, For you know that when your faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to grow. Trouble is an opportunity to stretch your faith. Trouble is the gym of spiritual growth. It's where you put on faith muscles. When troubles come, they're there so that you can apply your faith to the problem and exercise your faith. Right? It's like when a problem comes, you need to start doing some spiritual curls. You need to start, I'm applying my faith to this thing. And if that's not working, maybe do some flies. I, I'm trying to remember all the old moves. I got about two of them in me. You do a couple of flies like this. I don't even know if that's a fly, but we're going to call that a fly because it looks like flying. Right? And so you do some of these and, and maybe you work out your triceps a little bit. And you, what, you're applying your faith to your problem. And watch this. And you might not think you're getting anywhere, but the reality is, is you're building faith muscles. You're building your faith. It doesn't build if you don't apply it. Here comes a problem. When the problem comes, your responsibility is to apply faith to it. And whether it works or not is not up to you. If it doesn't work, you come back at it again and you apply some more faith to it. If that don't work, you grab a friend. You say, hey, I need some of your faith too. (laughs) I need a spotter. (laughs) Can you come spot me? I got a problem. I need somebody to carry some weight. That's actually a biblical truth. We need to grow through it. Let me share a quick story with you. Some of you know this story maybe, but there was a guy named Louis Zamperini. And, and there was a movie made about him called Unbroken. How many of you saw that movie? The movie Unbroken, Louis Zamperini. Louis Zamperini, was a, um, he was actually an Olympic athlete and went off to war 
against Japan. And, and in May 27th of 1943, his B-24 bomber went down because of mechanical problems. And eight of the 11 people on his plane died. So he was left with two friends from the plane. They, they scrounged up two rafts, two life rafts, and they had a little bit of food but no water. And they would drink rainwater whenever it would rain. They would try to capture it and save it so that they could drink rainwater. But for 47 days, they were under attack in a life raft, three of them. The Japanese bombers would pass over and would see a life raft and just casually drop some bombs at them every time they passed. Then they were under constant attack from sharks. They would, they would take the food they had, catch fish, eat the fish raw, put the fish on the edge of the, the raft to catch birds to eat birds. 47 days. At day 33, one of the buddies died. Day 47, they finally reach an island thinking, man, finally we're safe. Finally we're going to be okay. Only to find out it was occupied by Japan and they got captured. 47 days in the sea, you finally find land, you get captured, brought into a prison camp. For two and a half years, they were bounced from prison camp to prison camp, severely beaten and mistreated. Severely. The story goes that when the war finally ended, they got to come home and, and Louis was actually declared KIA. He was actually declared killed in action. But when he came home, they realized he was still alive, gave him a medal of honor. But he, he came home with some baggage, like most guys who go off the war do. He came home with some baggage. He had severe nightmares. Every time he closed his eyes, he just, just the events that he went through just kept repeating in his head. He became an alcoholic. As the story goes, his wife went one day to a Billy Graham crusade and gave her life to Jesus. And after a little bit of time of encouraging him to come with her, he went to a Billy Graham crusade. And he, he said this, he said, when I heard Billy Graham speak, it reminded me of the prayers I prayed in the raft. You know, Billy Graham preached salvation and he was praying for God to save him. After some time, he gives his life to Jesus, becomes a Christian. He gets connected with Billy Graham, becomes an evangelist. And then the story goes that he, he went to try to find all of the Japanese soldiers who mistreated him to tell him, I forgive you. He didn't find all of them, but he found most of them. And a good chunk of them became Christians. And his message for life was forgiveness. After everything that he'd been through, forgiveness was his message. Crazy story. You think he's been through some stuff? You think he, he had a rough time? You think he could have quit? I'm sure he did quit a couple times, right? But he went through some things and he came out of it and God still uses his life. Even today, he only died a couple years ago. What a message, what a life message, a message of forgiveness that no matter what happens to you, you can forgive somebody. Isn't that good? Say that's good. We need to grow through it. We don't need to just go through things. Why just go through something if you can grow through it? It's going to be bad either way. It's going to hurt either way. Why not gain something from it? So what does the Bible want us to gain? Romans 3, 5, 3 to 4 says this, For we know that they help us develop endurance, strength of character, and confident hope 
three things that God wants to build in us is endurance, character, and confidence. That's what God wants to build in us. Endurance, character, and confidence. And we're going to talk about those real quick. Endurance is the power to endure an unpleasant or difficult process or situation without giving way. Endurance is just not quitting. I'm going to endure this thing. It's like a pregnancy for a woman. It doesn't get any better when they get to nine months. Come on, women. Right? It gets worse. Right? They endure it. They Someone, I love being pregnant. Well, bless your heart because I'm going to leave that alone. Get in trouble right there. Endurance, though. God wants to build endurance in us, right? He wants us to be able to walk through some stuff. And not quit. Jesus had endurance, didn't he? Endurance is like a muscle. It's, it needs to be developed. It's, it's in the problems of life where endurance is grown. Endurance doesn't grow the first problem you have. I'm going to say that again. Endurance doesn't grow just on the first problem you have. The washing machine doesn't go out at the most inconvenient time and all of a sudden you're full of endurance. Come on, it's about the fifth or sixth time it goes out at the most inconvenient time. Then you finally start to get some endurance, right? That's how it works. So don't, don't be putting some unrealistic expectations on God. Like, oh, Lord, I went through a problem. Where's my endurance? Endurance grows over time as we go through things. Then he wants to build character in us. Character is the quality of being approved. Character is who you are. Your reputation is who people think you are. Get you some of that. Character is who you are no matter what's going on in your life. Character is when all hell breaks loose against you and how you act. That's your character. That's your, your response is your character. Your character is your quality of life. God wants to build some qualities in us. Let me give you a few of them. There's a certain, certain qualities that God wants his children to have. Joy is a quality. Kindness is a quality. Humility Peacefulness. Anybody want a little peacefulness? Come on. Peacefulness is a quality. Forgiveness, trust, gentleness, courage, discipline, responsibility, wisdom, integrity. That's the character God wants us to have. Not drama queen. Not Mr. Freak Out Man. Come on. Not melt at any little problem. Come on, Mr. Endurance. Mr. can walk through some stuff and trust God. Right? It can be dark, but I'm still trusting God. You see, the same old problems shouldn't have the same old effects on us. The same old problems shouldn't be affecting us the same old way. If you're still freaking out about what you used to freak out, then you haven't grown. Come on, I'm, I'm, you haven't grown. You remember the first kid? Come on, everybody remembers their first kid, right? You walked on pins and needles. You, you did everything just right. I messed up. I, I dropped Anna. I probably dropped Anna like four times in her life. So I almost killed her on vacation. We don't freak out about it no more. We got some endurance with Anna. Thank God she's got endurance. 
But when you got your first kid, what, everything, right? You, you freak out about it. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. And then by the third kid, you're like, Psh. That's not the death cry. That's not the death cry. And you get a new mom around you, right? And they're freaking out about your kids. You're like, Carol, chill out. What happened? You got some endurance. Right? Doesn't mean you're a bad mom. Just means you got good endurance. <laughs> Come on. That was hope for all you mamas right there. But you can't let the same old problems affect you the same old way. If you're going to follow Jesus, you're going to have to change. You're going to have to change. Anything that God has his hand on grows. Come on, y'all. It grows. Our endurance grows and it develops our character. And then our character develops our confidence. What brings me to point three, we need to live with confidence. Character strengthens our confident hope of salvation. And this hope will not lead to disappointment for we know how dearly God loves us because he has given us the Holy Spirit to fill our hearts with his love. So as we walk through trouble, we get the chance to apply faith to our problems and grow in faith. And eventually that faith turns into confidence. Now watch this. You don't know if God can be your provider if you've never been in a problem where you needed God to provide. Right? You don't know that God can be a healer if you've never been sick and needed a healing. You don't know that God can be your protector unless you've been somewheres and then you ended up getting protected. Right? You don't know that until you do. But once you walk through those things, once you go through those things and you grow through those things, your confidence begins to grow. Amen? I was in business and, and there was days that, that Thursday afternoon payroll was due. Payroll was $35,000. And the checking account was at zero. Can you say problem? Like nobody showing up for work Monday because they didn't get no check? Problem. What did we do? We didn't freak out. We applied faith to the problem and watched God show up. And every time he showed up, by Friday, we had more than enough money to pay for payroll. You know what happened in that moment? My confidence in God grew. Every lie the devil told me became untrue. God's not going to provide for you. God's going to leave you hanging. God's going to turn his back on you. God's not for you. He's against you. He would twist up scripture. When God showed up and we had the money for payroll, I went, shut up. Amen. Right? Because you're lying. Why? Because God is my provider. What happened? My confidence grew. Are you getting this this morning? My confidence grew. So the next time I ran into a problem, I went, you know what? God showed up last time. He can surely show up again this time. I don't need to wonder. I'm starting to believe it. My confidence is growing. My confidence is growing. It needs to grow. Christians shouldn't waver. Watch what James says about people who have no confidence. James 1, 6 to 8, it says this. But when you ask him, talking about asking God for wisdom, be sure that your faith is in God alone. 
Do not waver for a person with divided loyalty is as unsettled as the wave of the sea that is blown and tossed by the wind. Such people should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. Their loyalty is divided between God and the world and they are unstable in everything they do. This he's talking about people with no confidence. God wants us to have confidence. Believers need to have confidence. You know what the world needs us to have? Confidence. Confidence in what God did for me. Confidence in my story. Right? I was a hoodlum until God showed up in my life. Cool y'all. Right? Till God showed up. We need to have confidence in that. I shared this with the first service. I love raising kids. I've, I've really, honestly, my kids are all teenagers now. Ethan just turned 17 this week and we're celebrating his birthday today and it's just been, it's been fun. We've been raising kids for 18 years and it's fun. Some of you would agree. Some of you would disagree, but it's just been fun. Uh, we, it was one of the most important things to us to raise our kids right and to do the best we could. And so we learned a lot of hard lessons along the way and made a lot of changes along the way, sacrificed a lot of things to make sure we could raise them right. But we love raising kids because you get to see the product of your work, Right? I get to see the, the results of my hard labor. And, and I love my kids, and I'm, I'm very proud of my kids. They're, they're not perfect, but they're, they're great kids. And, and I'm very proud of every one of them individually. And, and, and I'm just, I love them. And so, Anna's the only one here, so you got all that to yourself. But, <clears throat> but we just really enjoyed raising kids. And the thing I love about my kids is my kids are confident. Let me explain that to you. If they need something, they ask, believing that they're going to get it. If they're in a bind or they're hurting, they come crying, believing they're going to get care. They're confident. They don't sit off in the corner. I've never caught my kids sitting off in the corner in pain, just sitting there hurting, hoping somebody would see them. No, they always come running. Why do they come running? Because they know mama's going to show up. They don't come to daddy. Come on, stop acting like that. They don't come to daddy when they got a bobo, right? Where do they go? They go to mama. Why? Because she cares more. Daddies say stupid stuff like it's going to go away before you get married. Well, I ain't coming back to you. But if they're hurting, they go to their mama. Why? Because she cares for them. They have confidence in that, right? You're getting what I'm picking and what I'm putting down this morning? They have confidence what? They have confidence in their relationship with their father or their mother. It would break my heart if my kids walked through something that I had no clue about. And they never came and asked for help. Expecting to receive it. It's fun being a parent because then your kids come to you when they get to be teenagers and they got problems that they can't solve themselves. You know, there's those little glimpses when they're teenagers, just little blurps where they realize they're not all that. Right. And you get to have a moment of like, they still need me. And so they come and say, dad, I got a problem. I go, I got solutions. Right. Let me help you out. I'm your man for the hour. Right. But it's fun when they have confidence in you. See, there's a story in the Bible of a son who didn't have any confidence in his relationship with his father. 
You may have heard the story before. It's the story of the prodigal son. But I'm not talking about the younger son. I'm talking about the older son. See, the story of the prodigal son goes like this real quick. The younger son comes to the father, says, hey, I'm ready for my inheritance. I want to go. I want to go live life crazy. Give me my inheritance now. So the father takes his inheritance, divides it. The Bible says between the both of them, the older son and the younger son, they both get their inheritance. The younger son takes off and go lives a wild life. The, The older son stays home, helps his dad, works for his dad, lives near his dad, serves his dad. He's got his inheritance, but he stayed there. Younger son's out partying, having a great time, finally runs out of money, finds himself eating in a pig stall, and says, you know what, my daddy's hired hands, live better than this, I'm going to go back and at least be a hired hand. He comes back, you know, the beautiful story, the father's waiting for him, he sees him at the end of the driveway, comes a running, right, beautiful story of redemption, beautiful story of forgiveness, right, the father comes running, grabs his son, throws a robe on him, puts a ring on him, puts sandals on him, and says, hey, kill the fatted calf, we're going to throw a party, my son is back home. Great story. You could stop right there. But there's another part of that story that I believe God wants to share with us this morning. And it's the story of the older brother. The older brother had an issue. He had a confidence issue. Young brother comes home. Dad kills the fatted calf. They're throwing the party. People are celebrating. Older brother comes from the field. What's going on at the house? Grabs a servant, doesn't go in, grabs a servant, says, hey, what's going on? Says, bro, your little brother came home. Man, he's still alive. Your dad, your dad killed the fatty calf. He's throwing a party, bro. Are you, aren't you excited? The Bible says this. He became angry, and he would not go into the party. Those two things right there. He became angry, and he wouldn't go into the party. Then the father hears that his oldest son is outside and he's got an issue. So the father comes to him and says, bud, what's going on? What's wrong? What's the problem? Listen to what the, the older brother says. I've been here the whole time. I never left you. I didn't go chase prostitutes. I didn't go squander your money. I've been here the whole time and you never threw me a party. You never did this for me. You never did that. You never treated me this good. You never did that. To which the father freaks out and he goes, son, stop. You don't understand. You don't understand. Everything that I have is yours. It's been yours the whole time. What are you talking about? The older brother didn't believe that his daddy loved him. He had no confidence in his relationship with his father. And when he didn't get what his little brother got, all of a sudden he turned into a pansy. Right? He started whining, complaining, moping, saying what he never got, what God never did for him. And too many of us today are living without confidence in our relationship with God. And every time he's throwing a party, we want to go in, but we're too angry and we stay outside. We think there's still some beef. We think we're not good. We don't have any confidence. We're spiritually insecure in our relationship with God. Now think about how the father felt when the older brother acted that way. My God, I'm I'm, I'm sitting here throwing a party for my youngest son who finally came home. And this one's going crazy. I thought we were good. 
Because you see, God did everything to make the relationship right. When he sent Jesus to die on the cross to put us in right standing with himself, that was a complete work. So in God's mind, he's going, everything's been settled. I have nothing against you. Why do you think I do? You see it? No confidence. How many Christians today, how many of us in this room today, are not able to enjoy the good things of God because we don't have confidence in our relationship with him? We're lacking confidence. We're still living in wonder. I wonder if God loves me that much. I wonder if God wants me to have the good things that he has for me. I wonder if he wants me to come inside and eat the fatted calf. I wonder if he wants me to have this. How many of us live that way today with no confidence in our relationship with God? That's what Paul was saying in the book of Romans right there in chapter five. He just nailed it. He said, everything that Jesus did put you in the right place with God. Now, every time you have trouble, don't freak out. It's going to build endurance in you. That's going to build character in you. That's going to build confidence in you so that you can know for sure without a doubt that God loves you and that he's for you and not against you. Because just because bad things happen doesn't mean that you got beef with God. It just means you live in a fallen world. But when they happen, you have the chance to grow up enough to build some confidence with God. How many of you would say, I want some confidence with God. I need some confidence in my relationship with God. I need to know that I'm his son and that everything that he has is for me. And he's not holding nothing back. Amen.